I had a lady in her late 70s in Brisbane who joined one of my programs and when she started with us, she didn't even know how to open multiple tabs on her browser. But within a few months, she was consistently profitable. So if somebody doesn't know anything about trading and they want to start, what are the first steps? The first step is to... Hi, my name's Simon Ree and I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Tower of Trading. I'm also the founder of the online education company by the same name. My vision is to help people live happy lower stress, more inspired lives by alleviating the burden of financial stress that weighs so many of us down. The idea about trading is to be able to buy an asset for a lower price than what you sell it for. What you're learning when you trade is, is fundamentals of price and trend and momentum. What is like a reasonable balance to start with for somebody who is completely new? I always say to people, your first 100 trades are your apprenticeship. It is going to take longer than you think to get good at it. You can be targeting returns. Wow, that's quite a return. Very few people become an overnight success at trading. So what is the mindset we have to cultivate if you want to have this as a source of income? What separates the successful people from the people who are aspiring to be successful but not quite there, it's a mindset of emotional control. I think the number one pitfall that catches out most traders First of all, you were my first episode for which I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> and the second thing is that your episode is the most downloaded one on all audio channels. I mean, for the last two years, always been on the top. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about um, trading. What led you to trading? How, how can trading be um, a secondary income? or main income for, for people. Can you break down what trading is and why can this be a, a good source of income? Sure. So let me just first perhaps bring in the word investing, which is perhaps something people are, are more familiar with. Um, when you invest, you typically put your money in a, an, uh, in a, in a fund or some stocks or, or, or a portfolio that you hold for the, the long term and you ride it through the highs and you ride it through the lows. And generally what happens is you're exposed to risk all of the time. All right, you, you are there for the good times, but you're also there for the, the wars and the recessions and the pandemics and all of that fun stuff as well. What we do with trading is instead of being exposed to risk all of the time, we're, we're very selective about when we expose our hard-earned money to risk. Okay, so we're, we're very focused on picking high probability moments in time to expose our money to risk rather than exposing, exposing it to risk all of the time. So if somebody is completely doesn't know anything about trading and they want to start today, what are the first steps? The first step is to educate yourself, all right? And, and that is easier said than done in the world of training, uh, trading. Um, I, I make a comparison in my book to trade. Learning to trade is, is in some respects more difficult than learning to fly a jet airliner, all right? And, and I, I can make this <laughs> comparison because my, my father was a, a, a pilot for British Airways. But if, you know, if you're going to learn how to fly a, a Boeing 787, there is there's one training manual, all right? There is one book of truth, and that is, you know, the Boeing flight manual. 
and, and that is the, the the book that you go to and and obviously there are you know each airline will have its own training process but but there is there is a single source of truth when you're learning how to trade there are thousands if not millions of different sources you can learn from. There's there's free YouTube videos, there's free eBooks, there's books like mine that you can buy. There are online courses that you can take. And as somebody who doesn't know anything about trading, how do you, how do you select the right one? All right, because there's, there's a lot of them out there uh, and a lot of them are rubbish. All right, and, and quite often in trading and, and trading education, you, you get what you pay for. All right, so you get a lot of people that will spend countless hours of their life watching free YouTube videos and they just find at the end of it, even though they've poured a lot of time and effort into it, it's still not clicking. It's still not working for them the, the way they expected. So getting a proper education, I think, is a really important first step. Explain what is trading. What do we do? The idea about trading is to be able to buy an asset for a lower price than what you sell it for. All right, so what we are looking, whether it's shares, whether it's options, whether it's futures, whether it's foreign currency, whether it's cryptocurrency, the idea of trading is, is to buy low and to sell high. Now, I, I trade options, um, but, but there are, like I said, any number of different financial instruments available for trading. And what is the easiest one to start with? What you're learning when you trade is, is fundamentals of price and trend and momentum. And what, what we're trying to do is we're not trying to be right all of the time. We're not trying to catch every single move up and down and, and always be correct. What we're trying to do is isolate, like I said earlier, those high probability moments in time to expose our money to risk. Now, I'm a big fan of options trading because options offer Two things. They offer leverage, which means you can get started with a fairly small amount of money. Okay, you leverage. All leverage really means is large potential gains for a small capital outlay. Now, foreign currency, FX offers leverage. Futures also offer leverage. But if you're trading FX or futures, the leverage is a double-edged sword uh, in that uh, if you get it wrong, the, the, the losses are magnified as, as well as the gains if you get it right. Um, with options, they've got a, a nice feature about them called an asymmetric payoff. Uh, asymmetric just means one side is different from the other. And what you get with options, if you're a buyer of an option, uh, your, your upside is uncapped, but your, your downside is limited. And, and that's a, a really nice feature to combine with the, the leverage that they offer. And, and we've had You know, we've had dozens of people through our programs who've, who've never traded before. Options is the first instrument they've traded. And uh, yeah, we, we've got many, many testimonials talking about their successes. Mm -hmm. And what is options? Can you explain that? There are only two kinds of options, right? There are call options and put options. And you buy call options on a stock if you think that stock price is going to go up. And just remember call up as in call up a friend. And you buy put options if you think the underlying price, so the stock price is going to go down. And you can just remember put down as in, you know, put down your phone. Now, a call option, I, I say it's Call options are like the Airbnb of the finance industry. When you buy a call option, it's like you're renting a stock. Now, if you think about uh, renting a property for a short term, let's, let's say you, 
you fancy having a holiday in Malibu for a month. Now, you, you, you can't afford to buy a house in Malibu, perhaps, but maybe you can afford to rent one for two weeks or four weeks, right? And the, and the money you spend on that rental is only going to be a mere fraction of what the house actually costs. Well, options work in a very similar way. You may not go out and buy 100 Netflix shares, which will cost you, whatever, $45,000. You might buy a call option on some Netflix shares, which enables you to control Netflix for a set period of time. It might be 30 days. But that option premium that you pay, it's like a rental agreement. It's only a fraction of what those Netflix shares would cost you to buy. Put options work a little bit differently. Uh, a put option is like an insurance policy. All right, so if you buy an insurance policy on your car, you pay a premium and you get paid out if something bad happens, i.e. somebody steals your car or you get in a car accident. With a put option, you buy a put option on a stock and you also pay a premium. It's called option premium. And you also get paid out if something bad happens. Now, in the case of put options in the stock market, that's something bad happening is the share price falling. Right? If share price falls, the put option will rise in value uh, and you can then sell it at a higher price. And, and that's how you get paid out. So... So how, how do you start, actually? You have to have a broker account or...? Yes. You need to set up a brokerage account. I mean, that there are there are many brokers out there. Um, most of our members use uh, Tasty Trade or Think or Swim or Interactive Brokers. They would, but they would be the most popular, but, you know, Schwab, Fidelity, there are, there are many reputable brokers out there. I, I would pick someone reputable. Um, I wouldn't pick uh, just some, some random name that you've, you've never heard of before. Um, and then there will be a little bit of time involved in just learning how to use your broker's platform, you know, the, the online platform. So you, you need to know how to place orders, how to you know, place opening transactions and closing transactions and read the value of your portfolio. So that, you know, there's a small learning curve there, but on average that should only take a, you know, an hour or two. Um, and obviously you need to fund your account, and, and it's really important when you're starting out that you fund it with what we call risk capital, uh, that is money that you can afford to lose. If you're trading with money, that if you, it's, it's not because you, you know, we expect you're going to lose that money, but if you're trading with money you can't afford to lose, it's going to make trading very much more stressful and it's really important that we do whatever we can to eliminate stress from our trading life. What is like a reasonable balance to start with for somebody who is completely new? Yeah, look, I, I recommend people start trading options with $5,000, $5,000. $5, that's enough to be able to have a few positions on, uh, have a little bit of diversification in your portfolio. Uh, it's enough money that, you know, you can, you can lose a couple of trades here and there and, and it's not going to blow you up. Um, I have had members tell me that they've started with as little as $600, all right? Now, I, I don't necessarily recommend that. I think $5,000 is, is a better starting point. So if we start with $5,000 in six months to 12 months, what if, if we are doing well? What do we expect this 5000 to yeah. become? No, it's a good question. And look, everyone's, everyone's trading journey is as unique as every individual who is trading. All right? Trading really is a, it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. And um, I always say to people, trading it, it's going to take longer than you think to get good at it. All right. It's like any skill. It's like learning how to swim or learning how to play golf. It's experiential. You need to get your feet wet. Uh, you need to get the reps in. And, and it will, you know, very few people become an overnight success at trading. All right. I, I always say to people, your first 100 trades are your apprenticeship. All right. And once you've um, 
once you've done your first 100 trades, however long that might take you, it might take you six months, might take you a year, at that point, you've, you, you're no longer an apprentice, you're now a, you know, a junior trader, so to speak. Um, but look, I, I tell members, I, I, I don't tell, I guide members that with trading options, you can be targeting returns of 5% per month. All right. And, and that, if you compound that monthly, uh, that turns into an annualized return of about 80% per annum. Now, a lot of people hear numbers like this and they kind of recoil in horror because they, they've been told their whole life that 10% per annum is all they can expect to earn and uh, just, just be happy with that. And, and this is one of the great myths of the finance industry is this notion that 10% per annum is a fantastic return. It's, uh, look, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's, it's not going to be a life-changing return for many people unless you've got a 30-year runway or unless you've already got a lot of money to invest. That's quite a return. How many people have you trained? We've trained thousands. Since, since 2017, we, we've had thousands of people through our programs and uh, we, we've got hundreds of unsolicited testimonials. I see. How long, you said that it's very difficult, the first step is uh, for, for somebody to, be, to, to learn. Um, how long does it take, you know, a program like yours and how could people actually differentiate which is a good program to follow and which is not? So our program, it's got about 25 hours worth of content. So we, we, we have had people do it in a weekend. Uh, they're obviously pretty keen. Uh, I would say it would, it, would, it would take people on average, you know, anywhere from a month to six weeks to complete it. And then, and then you've got your trading, all right? And, and like I say, that you've got those first 100 trades to get through. And, and that will take you a few months. And, and this is all about learning, all right, learning the emotional roller coaster, learning how to place orders, learning how to take profits, learning how to take losses, which is actually even more important. Um, learning how to read those trends. It's, it's a big learning process and you only get good at it by practice. So um, with, with trading, you know, we, we're not promising overnight success. This, this is not get rich quick, um, but it is get rich arguably a lot more quickly than you could just by sticking your money in an ETF. Uh, and it's a very time efficient way of generating a second income. How much time does it take a day if you take um, option trading and you become serious with it? Once you've learned the ropes, okay, and, and learning the ropes could take, you know, 10, 15 hours a week for a few weeks. But once you've done that, it, it, on average, I think 30 minutes a day, right? There, there will be days like, like right now during earnings season where it might take you an hour. There, there will be other days where it's just a case of checking your positions, nothing else, nothing new to do, and it might take you two to three minutes. Uh, but on average, I, I would say half an hour a day. I see. You spoke about risk management and how risk management is very important in financial services in general and in trading in particular. Can you give to the audience an example of how prudent risk management have saved you from an issue or a problem? Hey, absolutely. So uh, the key to risk management is to not blow up your account, all right? Do anything you can to avoid losing everything, but also do everything you can to avoid getting yourself in a position where you've got to you know, trade your way out of a hole, you know, dig yourself out of a deep, dark, psychological, emotional hole. Uh, it's, it's almost impossible for anybody. So one of, the, one of the key rules I abide by is if, if my portfolio ever drops in value by 15%, 
I, I close all of my positions and I go to cash for a minimum of 24 hours, usually more like 48 hours. The reason being, if I'm down 15%, I'm obviously out of sync with the market. And what I need to do is, is take a pause, you know, it's the, the pause that refreshes, and, and come back to the market without any emotional baggage or positional baggage and and reacquaint myself with the market with uh, genuine curiosity. I, I want to replace any anxiety or hope that I, I was previously feeling with, with that curiosity of, oh, instead of thinking, oh man, I hope the market goes up, I, I can approach the market with, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen here. What, what are the trends telling me? Um, now, the reason I chose 15% is if I, if I lose 15%, to get back to break even, I've only got to make 17.5% back, and, and I know I can do that. Now, if you let your portfolio drop 50% in value, you've got to make 100% back just to get back to square. You've got to double your portfolio just to get back to where you were. That is a, a monumental task for any trader, and, it, and it's enough to break most people psychologically. So it, we just never want to go there. You started talking about psychology. Let's talk about the mindset you have to have towards money, towards trading, so you can succeed. Because everything requires certain mindset, right? And you were just talking that, you know, you see you're losing. What do you do? You know, you panic and you, how do you recover? So what is the mindset we have to cultivate if you want to have this as a, as a source of income? It's a mindset of emotional control. All right, I always say to people, if your emotions as, as with respect to your trading ever veer beyond mild contentment or mild disappointment, you're probably trading too big. Uh, and so cut your position size down until you, you're kind of within that fairly narrow wavelength of, of emotions. Uh, we never want to be feeling jubilant about our trading and we never want to be feeling fearful either. Because what happens is, when the emotional brain gets excited, it, it takes control, all right? And, and the emotional brain is, is not good at making high-quality decisions. <laughs> Same thing happens when we get stressed, all right? That stress literally makes us stupid. If we're stressed out, our ability to make high-quality decisions is compromised. We want to do whatever we can to make sure the executive brain, the prefrontal cortex, is running the show and making decisions. Now, this, this is sneaky and it's insidious because even if the emotional brain is running the show, we're not necessarily aware of it, all right, because we, we don't necessarily feel any different, uh, but, but our trading results will look very different. In the people group of people you've trained, is there um, a, a particular type of person that, that succeeds better or is there a age range where your most successful traders are? We've got people from over 40 countries around the world in our programs. We've got people, uh, we've got ex-hedge fund people, we've got ex-Goldman Sachs people in the program. We've also got retirees, we've got school teachers, we've got yoga teachers, we've got accountants, we've got engineers, we've got people from all walks of life. We've got entrepreneurs, we've got HR managers, you name it. Um, what separates I guess the successful people from the people who are, you know, aspiring to be successful but not quite there is consistency. All right, you think about it. Consistency is the reason why 
most people don't have the body that they want. Most people don't have the finances that they want. It's the reason why most people are overweight. We, we know what to do. We just have, have trouble following simple rules on a consistent basis. Uh, but that is really essential if you want to be successful as a trader. It's, it's, it's showing up every day. It's adhering to your trading plan. And it's just doing those simple, repetitive steps day in, day out, whether you feel like it or not. So you have people from all walks of life. So it is possible. Anyone can actually do it if they, they learn. That's a great news, actually. I had a lady in her late 70s in Brisbane who joined one of my programs. And when she started with us, uh, she didn't even know how to open multiple tabs on her browser. <laughs> Uh, and within, you know, within a few months, she was consistently profitable. So, yeah, I mean, any, anyone can do it. If, you've, if, if the will and the desire to learn is there and, and that consistency, that, that's showing up every day. Well, great. What are some pitfalls for beginner traders that people should try and avoid? That's a great question. I think the number one pitfall that catches out most traders is wanting to be right, okay, trying to be right all of the time. Um, your first job as a trader isn't to be right. It's to stop a small loss from becoming a big loss. Um, so let's talk about the, the, the dirty secret of trading. Losses are inevitable, all right? You are going to have losing trades. It is just part of the game. But provided those losses are managed properly according to a, a a strong risk management program, all they are is an operating expense, okay? You, you, people feel as though if they make a trading loss, they, they've done something stupid, they ridicule themselves. No, 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 no. We're playing probabilities in trading, not certainties. A trading loss, provided you followed your trading plan, it just means the probabilities didn't go in your favor that time and you shouldn't get any more emotional about a trading loss than you should about buying paper for your office photocopier. All right, it is just an operating expense. Now, like any good business, we, we do want to minimize our operating expenses, but we're not going to get emotional about them and we're not going to try and eliminate them. Um, the reason why trying to be right trips people up is because if your ego is, is kind of running the show, you get into position, it moves against you, but no, you, you insist, I'm right, the market's wrong, um, I'm going to show the market who's right on this trade, and, and what happens is it just keeps moving against you, moving against you, and, and you get to a point where you can't even bear to open up your brokerage account anymore because of the shame you feel when those losses are staring back at you in the face, all right? How do I know this? Because I've been there many, many years ago. Oh my goodness. So that's personal experience. Huh? When was that? Uh, many years ago when you started? So my, my real, I guess, formative experience, learning experience in trading was in 2008 during the global financial crisis. And I, I was working at Goldman at the time and you know, I, I thought it was a hot shot. I thought I knew everything there was to know about financial markets. And look, I knew quite a bit, but I, I didn't really know at that point uh, how to follow trends and how to employ technical analysis. Now, working at Goldman, I thought I was listening to the smartest people in the room, the equity strategists and equity analysts who kept saying, buy the dip or buy this stock, it looks cheap. And you know, I kept buying all the way down. Uh, and by the end of the year, my portfolio was in far worse shape than it was at the start of the year. And uh, it was early in 2009, I, I, was, I was having a beer after work with uh, one of the proprietary traders there. And this is during Goldman's heyday of prop trading. And I was commiserating with him about my portfolio performance. You know, I, I said to him, look, I, I've had the worst year I've ever had in financial markets. I lost this much money. And I, I was sort of expecting him to say, oh, yeah, same thing happened to me. And he went, 
wow, man, I, I had the most profitable year trading I've ever had. And, and I, I was hooked. And a beer after work became me buying him dinner and just avidly listening to uh, every, every morsel he shared with me. And he said, oh, God, we, we don't listen to those blokes. We don't listen to the strategists. No, we, we, we follow trends. We, we employ technical analysis. And, and this was when I really kind of had a, a revelation about how you know, technical analysis can, can not only keep you out of trouble, but can actually help you find profitable trades even when markets are, are falling aggressively. And so I, I then embarked on years of my own research and inspired by this conversation. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to be working in the industry. I had access to a Bloomberg terminal and, you know, I could test ideas, test trading systems and, uh, yeah, came up with some systems that uh, worked pretty reliably. And so then, you know, when, when I left the industry in 2017, I was, I was you know, well-armed and uh, it was through talking with some mutual friends, uh, I realized that I, I had a skill set to share and um, I, I'd spent the better part of my corporate career up to that point helping people who were already extremely wealthy stay that way or get even wealthier. And I thought, well, look, I've got a skill set here that could really be put to use in helping people who are you know, really looking to start building wealth. And, and that's why I, I wrote the book and set up Tower of Trading. What a story, what a run. Huh? Can you share some um, a story about a, um, a setback that you had and how do you recover from it? 2008 was, was the most significant one. Um, look, the, the, the last time I had, a, I guess, a, a significant setback was the fourth quarter of 2018. All right, this was... Uh, Jerome Powell was sort of a fairly new Fed chairman uh, and he was having a, a fairly difficult uh, lesson in public relations with the market. He was making all sorts of comments about how balance sheet reduction was on automatic pilot and, and the stock market did not like this at all. And we had a very swift change in trend from September to October 2018. And that was the last time that my my 15% portfolio stop loss got hit. All right, my portfolio dropped 15% in value I went to cash and, um, yeah, I, I sat on my hands for 48 hours, kind of shook off all the stress, you know, and, um, yeah, got back into the market with a, a much clearer set of eyes. I could, I could see that we were in a downtrend. We, we trended down for the next two months and, uh, yeah, made the money back over, over the next uh, month and a half. But uh, that, that was probably the last kind of major setback that I had where, where I, I really had to kind of take decisive action to stop things from getting any worse. You know, practical strategies. So they listen to this podcast and they have a practical step-by-step -step what, what should they do? What is that strategy that you, you would recommend to them? In terms of becoming a trader, um, like I said, getting an education is, is the first step. Now, there are hundreds if not thousands of, of ways of doing that. What I would say, though, is do some background research, check out the credentials of the author of the book or the author of the training program that you're looking to take part in. And uh, is this somebody who uh, has read a couple of trading books and, and just decided to write one themselves? Uh, is this someone who, you know, has been trading from their parents' basement and You know, it feels like they're good enough to teach other people. Or, or is this somebody who's been doing this a long time, has, has got the pedigree, has got the qualifications and experience to actually mentor you through the journey? So once you've selected a, a book or a, or a training program, uh, it, comes, it comes down to learning, all right? And, and learning it thoroughly, 
probably repeating it more than once, uh, more than twice, sorry, if, if you're brand new to trading. Um, whilst you're learning, you can open up an options account with, with a broker. There is some value in paper trading while you're learning. So paper trading is when you're not trading with real money. Um, and that's good in terms of just learning how to place orders, learning your broker's platform, learning your new trading techniques. It can just help you smooth those processes out. It's really important to remember though that when you're trading a paper account, you don't have any emotional attachment to it, all right? So when you start trading your own money, even if you're starting small, you are likely to feel surges of excitement and surges of disappointment when you start out. And, and that's normal. Um, but if those surges don't go away, I'd, I'd recommend trading smaller or trading with a, a smaller amount of money. Once you've started trading with real money, it's really about, I think, getting those first 100 trades under your belt. And, and really, over the first 100 trades, your goal isn't to double your account or, or to make anything. Your goal is to really have your account be worth what it was when you started. All right, so if you're starting with $5,000, if you can do your first 100 trades and finish with $5,000, you've actually had a really cheap trading tuition. Um, most traders uh, lose everything within four months. All right. So uh, if, if you can if you can survive your first hundred trades without losing money, um, you're, you're already, I think, in the top like seven or eight percent of traders. All right. And, and you're in really good shape from that point to go on and become a consistently profitable trader. What are some daily routines that you have and you recommend people should adopt if they want to become um, traders? Sure. So I think from a from a purely a trading perspective, just every day opening your platform, opening your charts, analyzing what the major markets are doing. So for me, I, I only trade options on the US stock market. So I'm every day I'm looking at the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the Dow, the Russell 2000, which are the major indices. Then I'm looking at correlated markets like the US dollar. I'm looking at what credit's doing, I'm looking at what bonds and bond yields are doing and, and just trying to get a feel for, for what financial markets as a whole, you know, what, what kind, what, what's the big direction here? Then I will look at my current open positions. Are there any changes I need to make? Do I need to take profit? Do I need to cut loss? Uh, then I will run scans for new opportunities. All right. So it's really important with the initial analysis to know whether I'm predominantly looking for bullish setups where I expect the price to rise or whether I'm predominantly looking for bearish setups where I expect prices to fall. So that, that will dictate uh, the, the types of opportunities I'm going to shortlist. Uh, and then it's a case of uh, doing my analysis on the scan results, come up with a shortlist of stocks. And, you know, there might be one or two new trades that I want to place that day. And then it's just a case of waiting for the markets to open. And I, I, I avoid trading the first 15 minutes of the market. I, I like to let markets settle down a little bit and then uh, yeah, place the orders according to my trading plan. Now, I live in Singapore. So this time of year, the US market opens at 10.30 p.m. So I'm really only active for that first hour, hour and a half, and, and then I go to bed, uh, and then I, I, I miss out on, the, on the, uh, the market close. But if you're living in Europe or the US, uh, you could be a lot more flexible in terms of how and when you place your orders and look at the market. I'm, I'm just somewhat constrained by my time zone. And then it's just a case of kind of repeating that process every day, even if you don't have any positions on. Get in the markets, make sure you're familiar with what's going on, run your scans. Even if you're on holiday, just, just maintain that familiarity. And then from a, a more holistic perspective, it's, it's doing whatever you can 
to maintain that emotional even keel and manage your stress levels. So whether it's whether it's meditation, whether it's physical exercise, whether it's breath work, whether it's tapping, EFT, whether it's some combination of all of those things, um, just do whatever you can to make sure that you feel calm and that the emotional brain isn't running the show. And what do you do to, to make sure you're calm and um, the emotional brain is not running the show? So, yeah, I mean, my, my go-tos are, are exercise. Um, you know, I, I try and exercise every day, whether it's, you know, at, at a minimum, I'll go for a walk, preferably something a little bit more vigorous than that, whether it's, a, you know, a kettlebell workout or, you know, doing some sparring at the gym. I like breath work as well. I, I like breath work because of it. you kind of get an immediate benefit from it. Um, we've got a we've got a three-year-old toddler uh, and so my you know my meditation practice has, has kind of been thrown out of the window or just certainly on a consistent basis i find meditation though it's one of those things you can do a meditation session and, and not necessarily feel any different afterwards um, I, I do believe it has great benefits that accrue over a long period of time uh, but breath works great because uh, you, you can do it for eight minutes and, and feel like a different person at the end of it let's finish the podcast with um what do you think is the best, uh, the most important piece of advice from you to the audience, to the people who are new in this, but are interested to develop option trading as their income stream? I would say develop the skill set sooner rather than later and, and take a long-term view to your trading business. Now, you might be taking a short-term view on your trading positions from day to day, and that's fine. But take a long-term view on your trading business and your career as a trader. And take it seriously. Trade it as a job, trade it as a career. If you trade it as a hobby, you, you probably won't get the results that you, you want and deserve. Um, so take a long-term view, accept that uh, it's a skill that needs to be developed and honed. Uh, you'll You'll never know it all. And, and that's one of the things I love about trading. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm still learning stuff every day. You, you never get stale. Uh, and as soon as you think you know it all, uh, the market's about to hand you a lesson in humility. Thank you, Simon. That was uh, very, very interesting. Uh, much appreciated. A lot that we spoke today that people can, can take and run with it. Thank you so much for, for your advice. No, it's been a real pleasure, Annie. Lovely to see you again.